Hi, this is Brad Gillis from Night Ranger, and you're listening to Rock Solid Podcast. Make me a deal and make it good for me. I won't get full of myself, I can't afford to be here. This is small town music, this is big town music. He's ahead of his time, you know, but he can't use it. If only he could prove it. Well, tomorrow's just a song away, a song away, a song away. Hey everybody, welcome to Rock Solid, the comedy podcast for all things music, both new and classic. I'm Pat Francis, and joining me today in the Zoom room. He's, uh, he's, he's a legend on the rock scene. He's been f- in the band Night Ranger. He's the linchpin for me of Night Ranger because he's been there for every album and every tour. He hasn't missed a show or an album. Please welcome guitarist Brad Gillis. How you doing, Brad? I'm doing fine, Pat. You know, it's uh, just moving along every day in the situation we're in. I'm making the best fit, my friend. Now, who are you quarantining with, Brad? Who's at the home front with you? Uh, I'm just here with my fiance. You know, she's working. Uh, she works in a safe environment. So uh, I'm home working on music all day long and through the night. And uh, I'm lucky enough to have a home studio to be able to, to hone my craft and, and get stuff done and, and create music. Well, I can see uh, the background we have behind me. I see I see a bunch of Marshall uh, stacks and I see some golden platinum records. and I see some drums. So is this your music room? Is this where you create? Yeah, I actually have my you know computer set up upstairs. Uh, everything's up there with this beautiful view I have here in the Bay Area, and but it's all run down to mics that go to the uh, amps and to drums. And when I have drummers come in, we have a talkback system that that uh, record them with. And then uh, you know I, I put my amplifier up top next to me and run the speaker down here and blast it down here and record upstairs. So it's a great setup. Um, and uh, I've, I've been here for so many years and I just got it down. I collect, I collect vintage guitars and amps. So basically, Pat, I, I can get any and every sound imaginable. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good because you want that, especially when you're alone and you're doing this in quarantine, you need to get every sound possible. Yes. Yeah. And I, and also, you know, I do a lot of music for TV and sometimes they want song background music that sounds like this or that. So to put a 57 strap through a 65 deluxe reverb, I can get some of those old vintage tones and, you know, I got, you know, great old Les Pauls and of course Marshalls for that slam tone, but uh, yeah, everything's good here. What TV shows do you, have you done music for? Cause a lot of, a lot of you rockers, do music for TV. I know Freddie Curry of Cinderella. That's uh, that's his bread and butter right now. What what shows sure. have you worked on? Well, you know, I started out about twenty years ago. Actually, before that, I released. Uh, I put a couple songs in. I think it was the mid nineties. Uh, you know, Night Ranger has done it throughout our career. But sure. Me personally, uh, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. You know, I had a couple songs in that. Okay. And then right around two thousand, I met up with the the people in ESPN. And uh, in the past 20 years, I've done a couple hundred songs for them. And it's mainly aired on, um, you know, Sports Center. And when they acquired uh, Monday Night Football, I was hearing a lot of my stuff on, on the on the apps going to commercial on Monday Night Football. But then I connected with Fox Sports, started doing a lot of music with them. And then Tiger Woods PlayStation games. Wow. Did all the music for two of those. And and my last placement was just a little while back. A, a flamenco track on The Price is Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> in this in this age of digital music, how do you, how do you keep track of what you're owed, or are you just paid a flat free fee up front for stuff like this? No, everything's recorded. Everything you do is recorded, and you know these days you can't get away with like you know cheating people out of money. Mm-hmm. It's just the way it is. Uh, the way they collect royalties now is it's pretty serious. So all right, good. Um, the good thing is, is I still see residuals and all this stuff, and which is great with the Nyranger royalties and sound exchange and and all this other stuff out there. Um, you know, it's 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 tough being at home and not touring because the income isn't coming in like it used to right. be. But I'm seeing great residuals from other factors from uh, uh, writing music. Excellent, because because normally right now you guys would either. You, probably doing shows or getting ready for some big summer shit. Well, no, we're in the summer. You'd be, you'd be out on the road right now. Well, Pat, I got to tell you, we had 45 shows with Sammy Hagar, White Snake Night Ranger, amphitheaters all throughout the country and everything, you know, uh, our last show with Night Ranger was March 15th. And after that, everything pretty much shut down. So we've been dead in the water for quite a few months now. Uh, so we would have had 95, 98 shows this year. And, uh, you know, we, we got cut out uh, pretty much uh, most of all of it. But, uh, you know, it's we're doing Sturgis a week from Monday, uh, which is, you know, I'm not really looking forward to it in this scary environment. Yeah. But but, uh, but it's uh, 10 days and bands every night. And they got us come in on Monday the 10th at Sturgis. And, you know, I worry more about flying than anything. Uh, sure. That, double-legged flight and drive to get to Sturgis and the, and the drive back to the airport and the double-legged flight to get home. Uh, I worry about that the most. Basically, we're going to, when we get into Sturgis, you know, no meet and greet, no sound check, get right on stage, do your deal, back to the hotel, fly home. So, so and this, uh, the Sturgis, these Sturgis shows, they haven't canceled this yet. They're still going to go ahead with it. Yep. They're, they're going ahead with it. All right. Well, look, obviously, we wish you well, and, and, and you sound like you're pretty serious about this, so I know you're going to take all the precautions for yourself and stay safe. So uh, well, please, I got, please I got do. To take that. I, I was a germaphobe before this even came down. You know, being a guitar player, I, I'd wash my hands 10 times a day anyway, mm-hmm. just playing guitar, and, uh, you know, just going through airports, I never touched escalator handles. Yeah. Or, uh, I try to push buttons and... And on in elevators and going on trains to the airport, I use uh, use my knuckle and wipe it away, whatever. But uh, right, your elbow, the, whatever you're going to use. But, yeah, and have your you know your gel on you, disinfectant, whatever. But that's you know, a, I mean, I'm looking forward to getting back to work. This has been almost five months. Yeah, uh, so I'm kind of excited about that. Yeah, it's too much in, in the life of a rock star to uh, to not be out there and doing shows and and you know you want it to be safe for the people too. But we we look forward we look forward to having you out there. I have to I have to actually admit, and I, it's it's sad for me to say this. I've never seen Night Ranger live. It's just never. Have I. It's just. I've always, <laughs> I, I, I can never look at us. I, I gotta look out. Fall out. That's that's. Oh well, yeah, you know, maybe someday. Now, where are you at? I'm in Los Angeles, but it's just never happened. Like it's like you guys are either out too far, and, and I haven't been able to get out there. You guys don't seem to come to Los Angeles proper. You know what I mean? Or at least not when I was able to go. So I'm disappointed. Well, last, uh, last summertime, you we were going to do that Sammy, Sammy Hagar in Huntington beach. Yes. Uh, on the beach gig. And, uh, uh, we were looking forward to that. Cause that's, you know, uh, my daughter and a bunch of friends and different people, they're all coming to the show. And that got canceled because the promoter uh, flaked out, I guess. So, yeah. uh, Sammy I, was, Sammy was pretty pissed about it. I bet. Too, and he does it every year, but uh, it got canceled, and that was our LA proper yeah, show. Yeah, that probably would have been the one I would have made it to. 
after this is all over, how do you think meet and greets are going to, are going to go down? You think you guys will still do them or, I mean, it's going to be a tricky process. It all depends on a, a vaccine and a cure and where we're at, you know, mm-hmm. uh, right now they're all canceled. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, it's just where we're at, Pat, you know, it is. I, I, I can't call it, you know, and we're hoping that this whole, uh, Hagar Whitesnake Night Ranger tour could be put on, uh, but that, you know, to, to 2021 and, and still be able mm-hmm. to go out and do it next year. So we don't know where we're at right now. No Fing- one knows. Fingers crossed. Before we get into Night Ranger, I have to talk to you a little bit about Ozzy Osbourne. There you go. Because you were brought in to replace Randy Rhodes. I don't even know why you would why you would take the gig. I mean, you have to replace this guy that is so iconic. And not because you can't do it chops-wise. You can do it. But uh, was that difficult to step in? It was probably the hardest thing I ever had to do, Pat. Um, you know, uh, back in uh, 1981, uh, Ozzy with Randy came to the uh, Day in the Green in Oakland, big outdoor festival. And, uh, you know, everybody was saying, hey, man, you got to go see this. You know, and I started hearing music on the radio and everybody was tout- touting Randy Rhodes as the next Eddie Van Halen. And and sure enough, you know, I, I had to go see him because listen to what I heard on the radio. And I was blown away. And I had had this band back then called the Alameda All-Stars that I put together when Night Ranger was trying to get a record deal. Uh, we weren't playing out of the, in the San Francisco Bay Area. So I had, you know, I always played, always played a lot. So I put together a band just to keep myself busy playing at a couple of the local clubs. And we're actually, you know, after I saw Randy in 81, we started doing a couple of the, 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 the Aussie tunes. And then I remember driving up to this uh, gig in the Oakland Hills called the Lucky Lion, this nightclub. You jam with my friends. We had a, had a blast doing all of the cool rock tunes from the seventies and stuff. Anyway, we were doing a couple of Aussie tunes and and I was driving up there with my equipment and and I heard on the radio that there was a plane crash and and Randy died and along with a few other people that died in it and and I was blown away. I actually pulled over and thought, oh my gosh, my dad was a pilot. Mm-hmm. You know, he he flew twenty years in the Navy and twenty years uh, commercial. And, you know, uh, just that being in me, I flew with him all the time and he had a private private airplane license and I'd fly with him. And just to hear that, it's like, geez, what really happened? And to find out that the uh, the pilot was like buzzing the bus and doing crazy stuff. Yeah. It's just, it's just sad tragedy. So I, you know, I pulled back up the lucky line and and uh, loaded into the night. And and I think it was about a week later when uh, when this friend of mine, this drummer named Preston Thrall, came up to me after uh, we did a couple of Aussie tunes and took a break and came up and said, Hey man, I might be able to get you an audition with Ozzy. Are, are you into it? And I said, oh, yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. Right. You know, he goes, Oh, let's see what I could do. Now, Preston Thrall's brother was Pat Thrall. Pat Thrall. Okay. Pat Thrall <laughs> played with Pat Travers back in the day. And of course, Pat Travers drummer back in the day was Tommy Aldridge, who was back then, in 82, playing with Ozzy. It's all coming together. Sure enough, you know, Preston tells Pat. Pat tells Tommy. Tommy tells Sharon. So uh, I think that was on a Friday night. And, you know, back then, everybody was staying up kind of late and partying late. And, you know, it was the 80s. And I remember staying up real late that night and went to bed late. And in the morning, about 8 o'clock in the morning, I get a phone call. It's like, oh, God, who's, who's waking me up, you know? And I pick up the phone, I go, hello. And this lady goes, hello, Bradley. This this is Sharon Arden, Ozzy Osbourne's manager. We'd like to fly you to New York for to audition with the band. 
And I'm like, come on. I thought maybe Preston put the word right. out. Some chick was screwing with me. And she goes, no, no, Bradley, it's Sharon. Do you want me to put Ozzy on the phone? I said, yeah, put Ozzy on the phone. Of course I do. Yes, Sharon, please. This guy gets on and says, hello, Bradley. Yeah. And I thought, thought, whoever's doing this hoax on me, they're They're, they're good. They're doing a good job. And he goes, I want you to get a pen and paper and write down these 18 songs to learn. Now, I still didn't believe it. Right. But back then, them being in New York and me being in the Bay Area – when my dad was a pilot, when he'd call from the East Coast, there was a slight delay in the phone. Okay. Which is no more. But back in the 80s, you hear the slight delay when you talk. And I heard that delay. You know that feeling when you, when, when something major has happened to you and you don't know whether, you know, you don't know what to do? It's like, oh, my God, is this for real? Yeah, this is really it was, happening. It was really happening. And, and I'm like, oh, my God. I, I said, oh. Uh, Ozzy, you know, I, I know some of the Black Sabbath stuff and I know a couple of the of your your Randy, Ozzy Randy songs. Uh, he says, well, you, you'll learn them, right? I said, well, well of course I will. <laughs> so he gave me the 18 songs and this is on a Sunday morning. And he says, well, we're going to fly you out on Tuesday. So I had a, you know, that Sunday you know, I there's a couple Black Sabbath records I didn't, of course, records back then. Yeah, a couple sure. Black Sabbath records I didn't have. Of course, I had the Aussie records, and I just started woodshedding Sunday and Monday, and early, uh, no, actually later on 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 Tuesdays when I flew out, and I didn't have it all together, and they knew that. So basically, they had hired a, a, a man named uh, Bernie Torme, guitar player from England, to, to to came over just to keep the shows going until they found the replacement. Okay. Um, so they flew me to New York and I landed, you know, 11 o'clock at night. And there's a guy in a limo to pick me up. I was like, wow, limo, cool. Right. <laughs> he takes me to the Helmsley palace in downtown Manhattan, right? Big, big huge hotel there. And they were, they were playing Madison square gardens with Bernie that night. Unbelievable. And which is a gig. I, I would have, you know, every, every man's dream. I've still never played there, but, uh, uh, so I went to the hotel and I, Checked in. I said, you know, a reservation for Brad Gillis, uh, the Ozzy Osbourne party. And there's no, but we got, we got nothing here. Uh, I said, Larry McNeeny, the road manager. No, we got nothing here. And I said, well, they're all staying here. Of course they were under fictitious names, you know? <laughs> and I said, I only had $150 Pat in my pocket, no credit card. And they said, how much is the room? They said, $135. I gave them the 135 bucks. And I got my room and I set my room. And I'm thinking, all right, I got a one-way ticket to New York. They didn't know no reservation in my room. Uh, I hope they come through, you know. So sure enough, about 1230 night, I get a phone call from Larry McDini, the road manager. said, oh, Bradley, you got in okay. He says, we're all up at the master suite on the, on the top floor, you know. Of course they are. And, and, of course. And, 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 meet, <laughs> and meet Sharon and Ozzy. And, and I said, I said, okay. And, you know, I remember punching the elevator and it was like way down below. It was like it was slow. So I just took the stairs and pretty much ran up the stairs to the top floor and to the room. And sure enough, these two big, huge double doors leading to this big, huge suite. And there's all the music going on and people talking. And I thought, well, this is it. Right. So I bang on the door and, and Larry, uh, road manager answers the door. Hey, Brad, you made it. Okay. Everything good. I said, yeah, yeah, I'm in. Okay. Uh, I just got to tell you, I had no reservation on my name and I had to pay 135 bucks and I only got $15 of my name. And he pulls out his wallet and gives me five crisp $100 bills. He goes, will this work? And I said, getting better, Larry. <laughs> right. Now, at he this says, point, at this point in your career, when someone gives you 
five $100 bills, that's, that's a lot of money to you, right? At this point? Well, well, sure. I mean, of course. And the thing is, like I said, I had no credit card and, mm-hmm. and you know, if things didn't work out, I mean, I hope they'd give me a ticket to fly home. Sure. You know? Sure. I didn't know. I'm, I'm new. Pat, I'm totally new in this situation. I'm yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to pay. I just wanted to add that to the story for the listeners to know sure. you're probably like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was definitely it gave me a little relief, you know, he goes, well, let's come meet Sharon and Ozzy. So we walk over and, and I stopped Larry and I there was like 50 people in the room. Wow. All, you know, and a bunch of younger guys. And I was 24 at the time. A bunch of guys kind of my age, long hair. And I said, Larry, how many of these guys are auditioning with Ozzy? He goes, oh, oh no, it's it's just you, Brad. He's, you know, he's he's a writer for this magazine. And this and he's a photographer. Then so nobody else was. It was just me. And all of a sudden, I, I do a little more pressure, right? <laughs> yeah. See, that's a double-edged sword. You feel great about that, but then you're also like, oh, now I really have to be amazing. Yeah. Now I got to step up. You yeah. Know? So, so uh, Larry brings me to Sharon's, and and she and Larry goes, oh, this is Brad Gillis. Just flew out from San Francisco. Oh, Bradley, nice to meet you. I'm glad you made it. Everything okay? And I didn't want to bring up the money thing. Right, right. I said everything's fine. I'm in. Uh, she goes, let's come meet Ozzy. Ozzy's sitting on the couch, and he was a little bit out of there. You know, he was back then. He was, you know, he was drinking a lot. You know, yeah. get, just getting over the, everything with Randy. It was tough. I, I could understand. It was after the show, and I don't and even was, I don't even know how after Randy passed that they didn't just cancel that tour. That's always amazing to me that they just kept going. Did they think maybe that if they stopped the tour, it, it Ozzy might it might he might not recover? Did he did they need to keep the tour going to keep Ozzy uh, in good spirits? I don't know. I don't know how I, to I phrase wanted, it. Yeah, Pat. I think they wanted to keep it going to, 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 just to. You know, of course, every show was sold out. And yeah. The money was probably ridiculous they were making back then. Sure. And, and uh, I, I think they figured, let's just get through this tour with whoever's going to replace them. Mm-hmm. And then when it's over, you know, also could take a break and and and, and reform or, or gotcha. re- figure out what he wants to do. Um, so, you know, Ozzy looks up and I go, hi, Ozzy. And, and I shake his hand. He goes, go get your guitar. Already out of the gate. He wants it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I said, I said, uh. Ozzy, I, I brought my guitar, you know, my 62 Red Strat that I played throughout my career. And I said, I got to get out. I don't have it. I don't have an amp. He says, go get your guitar. I said, okay. <laughs> so I ran downstairs, not the elevator, down the down the stairs, went and got my guitar, ran back up, went in. He goes, come up and play for me. Now, imagine this big, you know, huge suite with, with uh, windows, you know, 20 feet high, with this view of, of downtown New York, beautiful suite, and the stairwell going up to the master suite. So we start walking up the stairs, me hold my guitar and Ozzy in front of me. And, and all of a sudden, everybody, you could hear everybody get quiet. Right? This, and I look behind me and everybody's looking up and, you know, like, all right, there's a big audition, this, right? This sounds like in medieval times, if you were summoned uh, to the castle to perform for the king. <laughs> yeah, and if you didn't, they'd behead you. They'd behead you, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, but anyway, you know, this was my shot, so with no amp. So we go up to the master suite, and I sit at the end of the bed, and Ozzy sits right in front of me on the floor and crosses his leg and looks up and says, what do you want to play? <laughs> and I was doing, uh, you know, back then I was, you know, doing a couple songs, but I, I'd learned uh, Flying High again. Okay. And the solo on Flying High again, you know, it's got the great solo that Randy did, and it has that big tapping solo. Big, uh, big tapping solo, which I knew. Uh, so imagine this. 
looking down at the end of the bed at Ozzy with his legs crossed. Ozzy looking up at you, and I'm going, dun, dun, and he's like, oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> Here we go now. He's singing to me right This is this has to be uh, your out out of body experience for you at this point. I, I tell you, it was, it was everything came so fast and so quick. I just you know, uh, I just started to you know whatever's whatever they throw at me, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best. Right. So you know, I got a crazy little feeling down there. He's singing to me right, and, <laughs> and then uh, again, you know, he's singing on the plane, and then it gets to the solo. All this, you know, the solo in the last half is the tapping. So I got through the tapping thing. As soon as I finished the tapping thing, he grabs my arm and stands up and stands me up and says, gives me a big hug. Says, Bradley, I love you. Pull me through. Wow. I was shaking, man. I was wow. Like, I said, Ozzy, I'll do everything I can to pull you through, man. I'm here for you, right? Because those, those words, pull me through, those have, that's, there's a ton of weight with those words. It's not just, yeah. it's not just get us through the tour. He's saying, pull him through physically also as a person everything everything going on yeah mentally physically you know the tour uh just you know just you know basically you know i hope you're the guy you know? yeah um i said also I'll, I'll do everything i anything and everything i can to help you out so he throws open the door the bedroom door looking down at everybody he says i found a new guitar player <laughs> you know and everybody starts clapping <clears throat> and uh we walk downstairs and and everybody's coming up to me, all these, you know, uh, magazine people and TV people. Everybody was there for the Madison Square Garden show, right? Because you're virtually you're, you're, you're virtually an unknown. You're an unknown commodity at this point. Well, I had played with a band called Rubicon in the late 70s. We okay. had a record deal on, on 20th Century Fox Records. And we put out two records and toured a little bit, but... did that big show March 18th, 1978, the Cal Jam 2. Ah, yes. Speedway, Aerosmith, Ted Nugent, Hart, Dave Mason, Santana, uh, all these great bands. And we were the only unknown band, but it was still still the biggest day of my performing career. Sure. Because there was 400,000 people there at the show. 
and they put us on the at the end after Aerosmith. There was probably two hundred fifty thousand people when we played uh, our Rubicon set. So that you know, and I was twenty years old, so I had experienced the biggest show I've ever played. Right, still right. Today, right. So I did have a little experience. Uh, but people. I wasn't you know, selling you short. I just meant as a, as a household name, or this this is oh, no, like no, this no. is like the big deal. Yeah, no, nobody knew. Okay. Me. I mean, you know, we, we we had a we had a top twenty song, uh, but never toured that much, and to to, to to really go to the next level with Rubicon. You know, that's when we and Jack Blades, our bass player now, Night Ranger, he was the bass player in Rubicon. So that's how that that's how we kind of got together. And then towards the end of Rubicon, Kelly Kagi, our Night Ranger drummer, joined. And Rubicon broke up, and then we moved on to form Ranger in 1980. Gotcha. Name yourself Ranger. But anyway, so people ask me uh, in, in the suite, you know, who are you? What have you done? I said, nothing. This band called Rubicon. I really didn't have much to say because I didn't have much to do uh, with anything big. So basically what happened from there is we went on the road, and uh, I would travel with the, with the with the band on the bus, and we get in the morning to the next town and Sharon got me a boom box and they gave me a live board cassette tape of Randy uh, from a month before. They actually gave me two of them uh, which, which, you know, board tapes, you could hear everything clearly uh-huh. because it's not booming through a, the PA system and everything. You could hear every instrument pretty clear. And she bought me and bought me a little amplifier. So when I get to my room, I, you know, all day long from when I woke up, you know, I, I didn't sleep much because it was, it was I had a lot on my mind. Right. Uh, but I I practice up until right before showtime, and then I go to the gig and hang at the soundboard while Bernie was playing guitar on stage with Ozzy, and I'd, I'd and with, with the sound man next to me, you know, I'm, I'm looking with my, my mouth wide open at this castle stage, and every night was sold out between eight and twenty thousand people were depending on where we were. And I'm just in awe, and the sound man looked at me. He goes, "Yep, you're next, right?" <laughs> like, okay. So let me ask this question: um, How is Bernie doing as uh, as the filling guitarist? Is he is he nailing it? Well, he's he's kind of nailing it, but that wasn't his style. He was just kind of going through the motions. Okay, uh, he really didn't have the uh, rehearsal time that I had on my own in my room. Okay. To get it together, but you know, he was pulling it off, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and what about as uh, what about as a performer? Is, does he have any stage presence or is he just kind of hanging back and playing? Well, kind of hanging back and playing. The thing with Ozzy, you know, even Rudy told me, you know, he says, when you're playing on stage, you stay back in your area. When you solo, you move up front, you do your solo. When you're done, you go back. Okay. That's how it was. That's Ozzy's how it was. Focal point, when you solo, you do your thing, then you're back. So that's what that was. Uh, Bernie was doing this, that, and uh, and you know, you know, just taking on everything. Uh, you know, the explosions, the fire, and the, the castle, and, and just overwhelmed. So four days of that in my room uh, practicing. Um, on the fifth day, uh, we were in Binghamton, New York, and I told everybody, I, I said, I, I think I'm ready. And and uh, believe me, I, I mean, I, I, luckily, Pat, I grew up playing by ear. Uh, I learned by ear any song that came on the radio. A friend of my brother's came over when I was 10 years old and said, Brad, just listen to the radio. Try to figure it out on the, you know, by ear. If you want to take lessons and learn by the book, you're going to be a different guitar player. And he says, you know, you learn by ear. All of a sudden you create your own solo styles. And then it's more, a more creative response than a book yeah. response. Uh, 
as I can put it. Um, so I, I was able to listen to this tape and pretty much pick up where everything was at, you know, and uh, just trying to learn the souls. I play the cassette over in the solo and I try to get it all down. And so it got to that 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 night in Binghamton, New York, where I went and did my first sound check. Now, now, Pat, realize I'd never played with the band. Uh, I'm doing a sound check and then my first show. We only did seven out of the 18 songs because of time restraints, trying to set me up and get me going. Okay. Ozzy never showed for the sound check. Okay. And then we then we did our first show that night. 8,000 people sold out in Binghamton, New York. Um, we went through this. We, uh, you know, before I went on, it was like, oh, yeah, you know, we all wear makeup. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they put this, like, makeup on me and stuff. And I didn't have anything to wear. And they found me this, this uh, they had a white and a black Ferrari jumpsuits. Put on the white one, you know, to put on the black one. That yeah. was cool. So I started wearing this Ferrari jumpsuit for the first couple of shows. And you had the big hair back then. Yeah, I had the big hair, long, you know, blonde, long, curly hair, whatever. It was that the look. Um, but I went through the, got through the show. Oh, right before the show, Rudy goes, uh, well, you know, I do this thing and you got to try to do it on stage too. I said, what's that? He goes, I raise my neck up and back and I go with the beat, especially on Over the Mountain, the first song. Was okay. Like, going back and forth with your arm while you're planning to play in this like and I'm I'm looking this is like an hour before the show and I'm looking at my mirror in the dressing room trying to do this like 20 minutes later I got it so I was able to pull that off I can't imagine the pressure that you're going through right before that first show I mean my head's exploding just you telling me about it uh, yeah, there, there, there was a lot of pressure, but you know, Rudy and, and Tommy and Don Airy, the keyboard player, they all just talked me up, Brad, you know, you're going to be fine. Just get through the first couple of shows. And, you know, sure enough, we're, we're going through the set and everything's great. And we get to the song called flying high again, which is uh, a ballad that Ozzy does mm-hmm. halfway through the ballad. It starts kicking in, uh, gun, 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 you know, starts kicking with this fast thing. Well, I came in early. <laughs> I was supposed to wait another verse and chorus before I came into it. And I okay. came in early. All of a sudden, I'm doing this grind. And I'm looking around. Everybody's hitting the slow thing. And I stopped playing. And everybody's. And I'm like, oh, my God. And Ozzy looked over with me this with this look of death. Like, you screwed up. So I got my place. I, I got, you know, back in my place in the song. Then I finished out the whole set. And, and everything else turned out. Pretty good. I was really happy with it, but I did screw up. And then you got some. You, uh, did the did Sharon and Ozzy then give you accolades at the end of the first show? Yeah, no. Everybody, whole band, oh, Brad, you did great. And I said I screwed up. Uh, you know, you'll you'll be fine. You know. So Sharon comes up right before the second show, getting ready to go on stage, and she's like, "Bradley, you're doing a great <laughs> job tonight. Don't screw up." You know. <laughs> and she walks away. It's like okay. And what but, we know, uh, what we know about Sharon now is she she probably meant that. <laughs> oh no, she meant that. I mean, you can, you know, she said it as a joke, but if you know, nobody wants to screw up. No, you know, a, a big sold out Ozzy Osbourne concert. So I was able to do well the second night, and you know, little by little, I started getting more comfortable. And and but it was tough for me because the crowd were, you know, arms crossed, a couple people flipping me off. Yeah. Um, you know, signs, Randy Rose lives and, and just trying every, and Rudy said, just, just, just suck it up, man. Just play your heart out. And, 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 and pretty soon, you know, you'll get some love. Yeah. Did you win? Go ahead. Two weeks later into the tour, we do the King Biscuit Flower Hour nationwide broadcast uh, in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, And it was live throughout the country. 
Um, so it was nerve wracking for me, but luckily I had two weeks in, so I was pretty settled with my playing and my, you know, my performance, but it was a radio show. Uh, and everybody back home, the old Night Ranger guys are, are listening at home. I, my family, all my friends are listening. Anybody and everybody I knew were like checking it out. And I had a really good show that night. Excellent. And I actually, uh, the, the sound man, you know, giving me the board tape for that show. I still have it. But uh, but it was broadcast, so it's, it's out in the airwaves anyway. But, sure. Uh, um, that changed everything because, you know, now people heard me do a full show and the sound man did a great job and going over the, the, the radio nationwide sounded great. And then after that, I started getting love from the audience and people were like, well, you know, Randy's passed. This is a new guy. Let's yeah. accept him and he's doing a good job. You know, so we had a great run after that all over the country, went to Japan, went to Europe. Uh, it was definitely, you know, first class all the way, first class hotels, you know, when we flew first class transportation, otherwise, you know, beautiful and brand new buses. And, and you know, it was it was it was a great scene for me. And I, I, I learned a lot and being thrown into such a I mean, you're talking this is a this is an A team, you know, set up here. Everything is first class, right. you know, um, so I kind of got used to that. Yeah. <laughs> if you you know, if you get if you got through this Aussie thing, uh you can get through anything. It feels like this, that was the biggest trial by fire maybe in your career. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Yes. Oh no, no. Uh, I mean, playing the Cal Jam too with Rubicon in front of, you know, 250,000 yes. people. That quarter was, that of, was quarter of a million's big. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I'd been playing with the band for a year and a year and a half. I had no, I knew what I was doing. I had my show together and everything. And, you know, just, uh, uh, you know, this whole new ball game of playing Randy's riffs and trying to get my stage presence and, and, uh, you know, just the whole big time scene uh, every night, every, you know, five nights a week. Um, but then, watched- you know, it, it was cool. We went into, uh, then we went in and did the big show for MTV uh, at Irvine Meadows, which was the live broadcast that they did on MTV. And they recorded a, a VHS back then yeah. video that they sold. And they had, you know, they had electronic bat, like laser bats gone and <laughs> sold out. And great lights and smoke, and that was recorded uh, and sent out, and and so that was right around my birthday, June, June, middle of June, in, in, in eighty two. So that was a great accomplishment doing that. And then you know later on, you know, they Ozzy decided to do this live record with the Sabbath uh, songs. Yeah, all yeah. Sabbath songs called "Speak to the Devil," and a lot of those to- songs we'd never played. So uh, you know, Rudy, Tommy, and I, and Ozzy, and the crew went to SIR, that that rehearsal place in, in New York, and sat in there for four or five days and learned all the Aussie stuff. And then uh, we did two nights at the Ritz for the recordings for the Speak of the Devil record.
and which came out good. I was pretty and happy with that. Was that is that in front of a live audience? Because there's always been rumors that that's more of a studio record. It that's a that's a straight up live album. Straight up live. The two cool. nights there, they they picked the best songs from each night for the oh, record. Now, gotcha. There was absolutely no overdubs by the band. It was Excellent. all uh, what would happen that night. And Ozzy, well, might have been a few. <laughs> <laughs> and people but, uh, people can see um, tons of footage on YouTube of you uh, playing on that Ozzy tour. And you uh, you look great. And in the videos I've watched, you you look like you've been there the whole time. I mean, you I feel like you look like you really fit in and playing great. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, probably after four or five shows, I really start settling in, and you know, having that good two weeks before that King Biscuit Flower Hour in Memphis. Really, you know, I was on my game uh, by the time we did that. And you know, like I said, we 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 just trudged on and. Japan sold out and Europe, all well, the European shows sold out. It was just, it was just amazing to, to, to be able to tour the world and everything happens. Pat, everything happens so fast. It's so crazy. You know, uh, it was a whirlwind. I want to move on to night ranger now, but I do want, I do want one more question about this Aussie period. Were you asked to stay on? Well, or were you like, or were you like the, uh, were you like the, um, the transitional girlfriend? You, you, we, you couldn't really be there. The whole, you couldn't, we couldn't keep the guy to replace Randy. He could only be there for a little bit. Then we'll get right. someone, you know what I'm saying? Right. Well, I got to tell you what happened, Pat. You know, we got towards the end. I think it was around November-ish or whatever. And uh, everybody, that uh, band crew, Ozzy, everybody was fried. You know, not only, you know, physically, but mentally from the passing of Randy. And uh, it came about that Rudy came out to me and, and said, Brad, I'm, I'm leaving the band, man. You know, my, my band, Choir Riot, just got a record deal. Sorry to say, man, I'm, I, I got to bow out. You know, there's so much going on. I, I, I need to get away from all this. And and plus my, my band, we've been together for years. And, and we got a big record deal. And, and, and I'm going to make that that choice and leave with the band. So he left, right? And and uh, so then Night Ranger gets an offer for a record deal. Yeah with the stipulation that I come back to the band from my popularity playing with Ozzy. Mm -hmm. And after Rudy leaving, it was, it was, it, was, it hit me hard. It's like, wow. I mean, Rudy was my backbone in that band. Yeah. He's a guy I talked to and I, you know, any, any issues or problems, I'd go straight to him and he was just great. Uh, Rudy's such a great man. And for him to leave Ozzy, it's like, you know, who knows what's going to happen here. Here I got a you know a band I've been together with two uh, for two years got this great demo a, a record almost finished uh, and I thought you know and Ozzy you know he definitely needed a break which they took a long break after the tour was over and I thought I, I just can't sit I, I, I'm going to roll the dice man I'm going to roll the dice I'm, I'm going to quit Ozzy go to Night Ranger these are my these are my best buddies that I spent Night Ranger the two two years getting this everything together. And I knew that uh, we had some great songs and I just rolled the dice. So I, I told Sharon, I said, man, I think I'm going to leave the band too. Um, Ozzy, you know, he didn't care for Rudy or I leaving the band and which created a lot of animosity there and just a weird vibe. Yeah. Uh, so I, I did it. I, I left and, and sure enough, our record deal was done and, and uh, you know, I, I, we have uh, the same week, uh, Dawn Patrol for Night Ranger's first record and Speak of the Devil were released the same week, uh, late '82. And I thought, so, wow, wow, that's kind of yeah, cool. Like, Brad, Brad yeah. Gillis is everywhere. <laughs> I thought, oh, that, this is kind of cool. Um, but uh, 
the great thing for us, you know, we go right, jump right out of the box and like the first started in 83, uh, touring with Kiss, you know, big, huge tour when they took their makeup off and, and, you know, I had Vinnie Vincent on guitar with, with Kiss, but uh, we, we shot right into an opening slot for Perfect. the biggest band in the world. Perfect. Kiss. And, uh, and right about then MTV came out. We went in and recorded a, uh, a video for Don't Tell Me, Love Me uh, on the train tracks. When you're making this video, do you feel silly or do you think this is the coolest thing ever? Oh, I feel like an actor. <laughs> I'm acting. Okay. You know, it's not only when we're playing live, we're, we're sitting in the train, mm-hmm. and, you know, doing all this crazy stuff. But uh, no, it, it, it was kind of it was great because uh, we never did a video with Ozzy. Uh, so this was my first ever video for Don't Tell Me You Love Me. And uh, um, MTV 24-7 format. They didn't have enough content to fill 24-7. Man, just starting to put out videos. Yeah. So literally, they were playing us 25 times a day. I saw it constantly. (laughs) Yep. And and which was great is because as far as the public and touring, people, you know, people could see a face to the music. So people started to recognize us when we when we come to town. And Don't Tell Me You Love Me is a great fucking song. So that yeah. helps. Yeah. Oh, no. no. It was, and it was perfect because radio was ready for something like that. And they, uh, you know, radio played the crap out of it all over the country. And it started taking off in Japan and Europe. And it climbed up the charts. And uh, it was, it was it, you know, it was a beautiful thing. And then we did a video for Sing Me Away, the second single. Sometimes I- Which did got a lot of airplay, but it didn't really kill on the charts. Yeah. Didn't do that great. 
So basically, after touring for, I don't know, six or eight months through late 83, the record company said, hey, we got to go in and we got to go in and do another record. Man. Let me ask yeah. you a couple questions about Dawn Patrol, first of all. Sure. Uh, produced by a guy named Pat Glazer. I, I've Glasser. never. Glasser. OK, thank you. Yeah. I um, I've never heard. I've never I didn't I've never heard of him before. And I haven't seen his name on many records that I've purchased. What can you tell me about Pat Glasser? Well, Pat was, uh, he had produced a couple smaller projects, mm-hmm. but he believed in us. Okay. And he, he just loved us, believed in us. And he had a great engineer, John Van Ness, uh, with a great studio. And they did a couple of projects together before. And the studio image recording was unbelievable. And we believed in Pat because he believed in us. Okay, great. He, us. he was a great song man. He knew songs. He knew arrangements. And 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 uh, John Van S was the great sound guy to get a great sound out of you. So basically, Pat came in. We did the first couple of records with him, which are our, our first, our three biggest records. Yes. And then he passed a couple of years later, like a oh wow, eight, ten years later. Okay, he sorry passed. to hear that. So he, he he did a couple of projects after no, nothing really noteworthy, but uh, but you know when you got somebody that's in the business that believes in you, that's important. That's big. You gotta, Got to go with your heart, you know. So the original, the original members of Night Ranger are Brad Gillis, Jack Blades, Kelly Keegy. You guys are still there. Yes. yes. Uh, Alan Fitz Fitzgerald and Jeff Watson. Yes. That's All right. The original so band. that's 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 the original five. Was was Kelly always the ballad guy and Jack always the more rock guy? Because I, I mean, I think we know Kelly is more singing the ballads, even though Jack will sing one. Too, but is that was that how it was always set up, or just how it turned out? No, no, that's just how it turned out. They both sing ballads. They both sing uh, rock songs. Uh, the thing, uh, you know, was uh, the songs that were chosen for singles. Uh, gotcha. It turned out that uh, you know Kelly sang more ballads and, and Jack sang more rock songs. It's just kind of how it is. But they both sang both. Okay. Uh, of course, Kelly writing, you know, Kelly Kagi writing Sister Christian. Of course, he's going to sing it. Sister Christian, oh, the time has come And you know that you're the only one to say Okay Where you going, what you looking for You know those boys don't wanna play no more with you It's true The crazy story about that, Pat, is uh, we had written that song. That's one of the first songs we wrote back in 1980, trying to get the record deal. But we didn't record it, but we had the demo, and the record company decided to hold off on Sister Christian for the second sophomore record because they didn't want they didn't want us to have these sophomore jinx. Okay. That meaning you put out one great record, you put out something else, and it doesn't doesn't even compare to the first right. record. And you didn't you did not have a sophomore slump because Midnight Madness goes yep. platinum. It's it's a big it's a big big record for you guys. Yeah, uh, I think it's up to triple platinum now. Yeah. But, but uh, back in the day. 
But yeah, but back in the day. But uh, but actually, you know, then Jack and I wrote the song called You Could Still Rock in America. So we came out with a bang on the second record, Midnight Madness, with You Could Still Rock in America. And who sings background vocals on that song? A Rock in America? Yeah. Oh, uh, everybody. The band and, and uh, 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 who came in? A couple other people. Glenn Hughes? Uh, Glenn Hughes came in and all sang right. the high parts. He sang all the high parts, which I sing live. That's why it sounds so true to form, because Glenn's got such a great voice. Yeah. You know? and you- in America! <laughs> great. And that's so, co-written, co-written by you and Jack. Yeah, Jack and I wrote that Excellent. song. So we did the video on that and did great. And then, uh, God, we were out touring with ZZ Top, Cheap Trick, all these great bands. And uh, then we released this little ballad called Sister Christian. And here we're out on the road. The song's like all over, maybe too much on the radio, Pat. It, uh, they just saturated the radio with Sister Christian. <laughs> now, a song like Sister Christian, do you start seeing more girls show up the shows? Oh yeah! <laughs> oh oh yes, Pat. They yeah. did show. Yeah, <laughs> they they showed a lot. Mm, believe you mm. me, <laughs> and that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. So, nineteen eighty four was a was an awful fun year for for me. <laughs> um, but but it was great because it, you know it climbed up the charts, started doing great. Then the you know record company came back and management. Everybody said, you know, uh, we're going to take a little break and we're going to gear up to start headlining. You know, so we've already had, you know, the two big hits, uh, Don't Tell Me Love You and Rock in America out, and then Sister Christian. They, so they want us to headline. So I remember coming back, we kind of designed the stage setup and got all these buses together, equipment, and and uh, we started our tour. And I think our first stop in late 83, whatever it was, I can't remember exactly, maybe late 83, um, was uh, we, we pulled into La Crosse, Wisconsin, uh, the Coliseum there. And I'm pulling up at our bus right before sound check and looking up at the marquee. It says, tonight, Night Rangers sold out. Wow. Which was like 6,800 people, whatever it was. So that was a pinnacle of our career. Our first sold out headline show with Night Ranger. Then from then, then on throughout the 80s, we just kicked butt everywhere, you know, and sold out. And maybe we were doing 15,000, 18,000 seats in certain areas, uh, uh, big cities. But uh, we had a great run. Yeah, because you also have When You Close Your Eyes on this album goes to number 14.
Yep, that, that was another big hit. And, you know, then we had Goodbye, another ballad, and, you know, and, uh, you know, Sentimental Street. And... So you're walking out on Sentimental Street. What you're doing out there? Who you're trying to be? I know what you're thinking, because I've been there myself. I've been kicked so many times, I don't know nothing else. Still, I noticed you. But that was the issue that we had. Uh, the record company was so involved with us having such a big ballad hit yeah. that that's all they wanted to release, you know, ballad after ballad mm-hmm. after ballad. And now on like the fifth record or something in like the 80, 88 or whatever it was, we said, you know what, we're not even going to put a ballad on the record. And MCA said, where's your ballad? <laughs> and we said, well, we just we want to rock. We want to be a rock band. Yeah, we have no, enough no, ballads. No. Yeah, you know, you have your success with ballads, you know. <laughs> okay. So they gave us songs to choose from that other people had written. And we ended up with doing the song called I Did It For Love. Every night that I held you made heaven from hell, yeah. I did it for love. Like the change of the season, you grew cold for that reason. I did pretty much put the nail in the coffin there. I mean, all, all the, all the rock fans stopped coming, you know, the women were still coming, but you know, um, we could see our scene dwindling, our audience dwindling. And, you know, we were doing 250 shows a year and, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, like nine months touring and the other three months, we'd take a week off and go right in the studio and do another record. There was no rest for us. And about 89, we were all fried and we decided to take a break. And that's when Jack, you know, late 89 went and did, uh, Tommy Shaw, Ted Nugent did the Damn Yankees, and I went and did a solo record. You did, uh, you did Gil Rock Ranch. Yeah, met Greg Allman. He sang a couple songs on it. The rest were instrumentals. Uh, Derek Sherinian on keyboards and me on guitar. And, uh, I love, uh, I love Monster Breath.
that oh, that song kicks ass and you self-produced this too yeah, I did it in my home studio back uh, not too far from where I'm living now. Um, but a lot of the same equipment as far as amps and stuff. But of course, uh, you know everything's digital recording now. And, now, and, uh, now, Brad, so. you you flew through you flew through these albums. You didn't you didn't even let me take a take a breath and, and ask you some detailed questions about some of these '80s albums. But I do want to ask this: when you started and you had uh, and you had two guitarists, you guys were both lead players. Yeah. Were you were you going for like a Thin Lizzy type thing? Is that what did you want that two guitar attack? Yes, you know that was the whole inception of the band, and that was Fitz's idea, you know, because it was Jack and me and Kelly getting together, and Jack was roommates with Fitz, the, our keyboard player at that time. Mm-hmm. Now Fitz had played bass guitar for Montrose and played keyboards with Sammy Hagar yeah, he can- on the Musical Chairs records, right? So Fitz pretty much knew everybody, and and you know when we started the band, he said man, I know this hotshot guitar player named Jeff Watson from Sacramento, California, and, and a whole different style from you, Brad. You know, if we get to get together and do like a Thin Lizzy Almond Brother thing, you know, and I wasn't into that. I thought, you know, really? <laughs> you know, and, 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 and they said, well, just at least meet the guy, you know. Oh, I meet the guy. So Jeff shows up and uh, we're fiddling around and, and, and a whole different style than me. He played that Shanker type, just speedster, yeah. you know, licks. And I play with my, you know, more fluid, bluesy, whammy bar stuff. And But when we got together for, to do harmonies, we were two pieces in a pod, man. We had that together. So, you know, hanging out with Jeff, just hanging out with him after just getting together and rehearsing. Yeah. And, you know, I love the guy was great. He was him and I were on the same have fun state of mind. Right. <laughs> so, we, you know. And both blonde hair guys and rocker guys. And so we decided to go for it. And, you know, as far as we came to, to, to divvying out the solos. That was my next question. Like, I, I knew it was Pat. Cause, <laughs> cause, cause you, you can, you guys continue with, uh, to have the two guitar attack with, uh, with, um, Joel Hoekstra and, uh, Carrie Kelly. You guys still continue this. How do you decide? And, and you do a lot of the songwriting, especially on the recent albums, it's almost like you guys are favored nations. It's like you, Jack, and uh, Kelly are writing, getting credit for all the songs. So I would feel like if you were writing the songs, you, you would always want the solo. How do you decide? No, that's, a, you know, I, I'm not that way, you know? I mean, as long as I mm-hmm. get what I'm trying to portray on record. Gotcha. Uh, on, on, the, on the key songs that I fit, uh, seem to fit my style, then I'm happy. Um, you know, Joel Holster, great player, still a great friend of yep. mine. Uh, we had a great time now passing on you doing solos and harmonies together. And but, you know, there, there'd be a song. It's like, you know, Joel would go, Brad, this is you. This is your style, you know. And another song, I go, Joel, this is you. And then, then there would be a song where then I, and I go, and I go, I want to do this one. And Joel will go, I want to do this one. <laughs> and, and Jack will come in and say, why don't you both do it? <laughs> so it would be the same thing as in, you know, don't tell me you love me. I take the gotcha. first solo, he take the second or whatever, you know, or we do harmonies together or both in a song. We always tried to keep the same format, Night Ranger format that uh, that brought us to where we're at, gotcha. which is big three part harmonies that, you know, that, that the sing along harmonies and the dual guitars. Um, our format said since day one what's best for the band not what's best for brad or joel or care you know whoever the other guitarist is and i like that because that's how you have success 
Yeah, no, you you got to be able to work with other people and not, you know, I mean, that's that's why we're so, still together, man. You got somebody with a big ego that tries to take over stuff, and all of a sudden you got issues. And we've never had that. We always kept everybody in check. Somebody starts getting a little out there, we reel them back in. No. Uh, and that's that's why I've been together with Jack since 1976. Yes. But what is that? Like 14 years? Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, but can I ask about feeding off the mojo? Yes, you can. Okay, so in 1995, you and Kelly record an album under Night Ranger. I I never heard this album until this week preparing for this episode. And what do you think of it? I think it's a pretty great album. And you know, before I listened, I thought that it wasn't going to be. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I just felt like. It, like, it's not Night Ranger. It doesn't have Jack Blades in it. It sure. doesn't have Jack Blades in it. And you and then you guys later have an album called Seven, but that's really your eighth album, but it's the seventh one with Jack. So you kind it's kinda of like a, the uh, forgotten stepchild in the in the Night Ranger catalog. But Yes. And why well, did why did you decide to do an album without Jack? Jack was doing his his stuff and were you just getting restless? So you decided to do an album with Kelly. Well, I had, uh, you know, I'd finished my uh, Gil Rock Ranch record and you know, I was lucky enough to have Greg Allman come in and sing two songs. Yeah. And actually it was one called Honest to God. It was a uh, top uh, 20 rock hit and it was all over the radio. And then once that record was done, you know, uh, you know, I was talking to Kelly and Kelly's like, God, you know, Jack's doing the damn Yankees, you know, let's get another bass player singer and let's just, you know, keep Night Ranger going. So that's when we started auditioning people down in LA. We auditioned, auditioned like 20 people. Mm -hmm. And right towards the end, this guy walks in named Gary Moon, flowing black hair, yep. good looking, chiseled face guy, wore this cowboy hat. Yep, he looks good. He, he, Oh man, that's a rock star look at his at his at his peak at his finest, and you know. So we decided to go and do a record, and it turned out real good. And and and, and Gary just has this fabulous voice, and you know. But you know, it's just me on guitar, and I yeah. was able to you know take over the whole range on guitar. Yeah. It's like a and, power uh, trio. Yeah, and I thought it was a great record. Of course, you got to realize, Pat, that's when music changed. Yes, that's when Nirvana came out, and all those. The, 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 the grunge stuff came out and was, you know, killing rock and roll. But I just want to mention a few songs. Precious Time is excellent. Yeah. 
Yes. Uh, the Night Has Away, So Far Gone. I mean, the, these are killer tracks. Yes, Ton- they're killer tracks. Was you know, there? I, did you ever think that maybe you that maybe just Kelly would sing the whole album? Did was that ever a thing? Maybe he's, he's oh no. no oh no. The thing was to bring Gary would bring this other great singer in and do the okay. same format as Dire Ranger. Have two great singers, and also I sing. Kelly sings, yeah. and you get a third guy in there, then all of a sudden you can recreate those three-part Nightraiser harmonies that we're known for from the 80s. So we found this guy with a fabulous voice, Gary Moon, fabulous voice, and did this record feeding off the mojo. We toured a little bit, but like I said, music had changed. Right. And, uh, you know, things were kind of what they were back then. Yeah. Um, now, then, you know, then things got stale. Mm-hmm. Um, and... We decided, uh, no, no, we had an, uh, Japan came in with an offer for us saying, if you put the original band back together, late 95, yeah. 96, if you put the original band back together and we have a tour for you in Japan and a record deal lined up, are you guys interested? And Jack had left the damn Yankees and mm-hmm. the Night Ranger thing with Gary Moon was pretty stale back then. We said, sure, well, let's, let's, let's try this. So, so the five original guys come back and you get Ron Nevison to produce... And um, yep, yep. we had all the all the puzzle pieces together to, to for a comeback. Yeah, and you're you know, on so. you're on uh, you're on Sony Legacy, so it's like a major label. Yeah, this is my favorite Night Ranger album. I, Which I, one? Th- Neverland. Oh, Neverland. The one that you guys do with Ron Neverson. No, that that's a great record. That's some wow, wow. You know, I haven't heard these records for a while. <laughs> I bet. Uh, but uh, you know, but uh, you know, thinking back to Neverland, that was a great record, and uh, we had a few great records, at least some great songs on on each record since. But you know, we're still putting out records every two two and a half years. Yeah, so you guys are on a strong cycle here. I want to ask what working with Ron Nevison was like. What does what does he bring to the table? I mean, you you worked with a ton of producers, but Ron Nevison has like a pedigree of working with. Everyone, you know. Yes. It, so well, what he's was a song man. he is a song man. Okay. And he was really able to come in and hone these ideas we had and take them to the next level. And that's kind of what you need, you know. I mean, uh, if we would have had Ron Nevison, you know, uh, you know, our, our first couple records, you know, who knows how far we would have exactly, taken yeah. us? We would have got up, got up to Journey, Def Leppard level, possibly. I mean, could have, would have, should have. If she wanted. Than 
Working with Ron was great. Uh, that just the timing wasn't right. I mean, you know, I mean, we started touring after we released the record, after going to Japan and coming yeah. back. And, you know, they had us booked for low dough doing these larger nightclubs and stuff. And, you know, you got to realize Night Ranger was a band used to playing arenas. You know, we were an arena rock band. Uh, so we kind of just had to bite the bullet for the first couple of years. And I won't mention the uh, booking agent we had back then, but it came to a point after uh, around. Um, uh, 2000-ish after five or six years uh, uh, touring and not doing so well, you know, uh, one of the agents from our from our, our, our booking agent came to our show right towards the end of the year and we played uh, somewhere in Nashville uh, and uh, after the show, talking to the agent saying, hey man, I said, hey man, how are we looking for the next year? I mean, he goes, eh, you know, kind of what it is, Brad, uh, you know, probably do 30, maybe 40 shows. And, and I, I go, all right, thanks. And I walked over to Jack. I go, this ain't, this ain't right, man. This isn't happening, yeah. This, 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 this you know, there's something wrong here. This band is, is better than 30, 40 sheer, uh, shows a year at low dough. So Jack said, hey, man, I, I know somebody at, at William Morris Agency. We should bring him to a show. I said, yeah, bring him to a show. This guy came to the show, absolutely loved us. Said, man, I'll get you guys at least 50 shows. Raise your money up. So we ended up leaving the other agency went with with uh, uh william morris agency boom whole new level next thing you know we're doing 50 60 shows a year playing with all these great bands and then that got kind of got stale uh so just like it's only been two years now we decided to go with caa after we did a show with sticks and rod essex the uh one of the main guys in caa saw us play and he was there representing sticks and said, hey, let me talk to you guys. And he says, man, we got to get you over to CAA. All the bands we got, man, we can put you out with, with you know, the Arios and the Sticks, and Sammy Hagar's, all these great bands. Yeah. Next thing you know, you know, <laughs> our money went up more and we're, we're doing all these, yeah. you know, tours and stuff with all these bands that are within our agency, yeah. CAA. Yeah, I feel like from like 2007 on, you guys have really been thriving. You've been recording tons of new music yeah. and always out there on the road with these with these package tours, which is great because you get to hang out with guys you've, you know, known forever throughout your careers. You guys have crossed paths and now you're on tour with these people and uh, you get in front of a lot of people because a package tour brings in bigger audiences and it's oh, yeah. a, it's great for, it's great for the fans. So, and it must be great for you guys too. Yeah. I tell you, you know, I mean, uh, you put together three or four big bands from the eighties you know, you're guaranteed, you know, eight to 20,000 people. Uh, I think it was, uh, we did 65 shows with Journey and Foreigner in 2011. And I think the biggest show we played was 23,000 in Chicago. And, you know, we only played 35 minutes opening the yeah. show. But I tell you, man, it's just like being in the big range. And you know you, your band has is, is done okay in the past when 80 to 90% of the audience is in there when you open the show. And by the end of the show, you got 90, 95% of the audience. And that's us, you know, they're there to see us too, which is a great feeling. Well, and you guys have, and you guys have a solid catalog of FM and AM hits. So you play all those and then you can work in some new songs. 
we try to stay away from doing too many new tunes because it's, it's kind of like uh, you know right. in the headlights for a lot of people. You but, got your diehards that'll. But but what we do, we bring in a lot of the B cuts that we always thought. Gotcha. Were great. The rumors in the air, a touch of madness. songs that, that that we like ourselves that were that were on our big records i mm-hmm. should say well here's um, the thing brad you guys are still you you've made new studio albums in 2007 2011 2014 and 2017 you've also released a live album within that time period yep you make you you're making and creating and writing new music is it disappointing when you can't play some of those in your set i mean i'm a guy I I want to hear new music from my favorite artists. Right. How do you feel no. when you're you're ma- you make a full album and you guys have been killing it? I think some of this newer music is fantastic. Yeah, well, we try to throw, you know, we when we put out a record, we'll probably throw two, maybe three into a headline set where we're able yeah. to do, you know, 15, 18 songs or whatever. Uh, but you could tell by the reaction of the audience uh, uh, whether it's viable or not. And you, know, when people just, you know, if, when people get off on it, uh, you know, it's, it's cool. And what we do a lot is we start the set off with like maybe one of the new up-tempo tunes. Gotcha. Get them, uh, hook them in. You know, yeah, hook them in. And, you know, let the sound get together. So after that, you're playing your bigger hits and you sound well. It always takes a song or two to get the sound together for any venue you play. But, uh, you, know, the, you know, we still do one or two off the uh, off, off new records when we go out. But you got to realize, especially when you play like, you know, we do we do we do state fairs. State fairs could be great because yeah. you get your you get your audience and then you get everybody else there that maybe never even heard you of you but they know there's a live concert going on sure coming in to you and 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 then you try to win over new fans especially the younger kids you know they tell their friends they tell their friends all of a sudden you got you know all these new younger audience listeners that are that are in your stuff so you know you can't play too many new songs gotcha. in that situation so what we do do pat is we play a couple damn yankee tunes we play Crazy Train by Ozzy. Gotcha. And Carrie Kelly, our other, our newest guitar player, played with Alice Cooper for eight years. So we do an Alice Cooper tune, School's Out, you know? And we throw those song mega hits in there. And since we were part of those projects... Right. It, so, it's, you know. Yeah, it's fine to do it. It's not, like you're do, it's not like you're doing cover songs. You're doing songs from artists we were invo- that we were you were involved. involved with. It's perfect. Yeah. That's fantastic. So Doing a couple of Yankees tunes and doing, you know, Alice and, and Ozzy, uh, along with our hits and a couple B B cuts, maybe one tune off the last record. We got a full set. And believe me, anybody that's never uh, seen the band, they'll they'll know most of these songs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, unless you're a young kid and you never heard of anything, but you're gonna you're gonna know Alice and Ozzy, that's for sure. If um, you've if you've been near a radio in the past thirty eight years, 
you're going to know some songs from a Night Ranger set. <laughs> For yeah. sure. Yeah. If you listen to classic rock radio. <laughs> <laughs> Can you be, does it feel like 38 years to you or does it just seem like yesterday that you, the, the guys got together and started to do this? It feels like 38 years. My back is killing me. You look, uh, by the way, you look fantastic. I don't know what you're doing, but uh, you you look you look fit. Uh, the hair looks great. Every, everything's working. You still got the rock star thing going. I'm I'm well preserved from the 80s, Pat. <laughs> I'm well preserved from the 80s. Uh, no, no, I I, I got to keep myself up. You know, mm-hmm. I wash my diet. I work out. You know, I lift. Uh, all the time when we'd be on the road, I swim every day at the hotel. Nice. I love swimming, man. That just blows everything out. And of course my hour and a half on stage running around, but you know, being so sheltered at home for so many months, I'm still lifting and working out, you know, doing whatever I, I can to stay in shape and washing my diet, but it's tough, you know, cause I like my, I like my, you know, I like my beers here and there and my little Baca OJ on the weekends, you know, but, uh, I don't overdo it. And, uh, I'm I'm very focused on on on, on music and stuff, and which Great. keeps you alert and going. You know, uh, I swear, if I didn't have the studio or things going on, uh, I'd be I'd be pulling my hair out. Well, I pulled some of it out, but, um, but I you know I I I have good genes in the family. Good. You know, my mom my mom was Miss USA, and oh, there and, you go. Uh, that helps. Yeah, my my I have a beautiful, gorgeous daughter that's just absolutely ravishing. Of course, he looks skips a generation. My mom was gorgeous, and my daughter's gorgeous. <laughs> and then there's me. You're, I think you're doing fine, Brad. Uh, so the most recent album is called "Don't Let Up," that came out in 2017. Some of the songs I love on there are "Somehow, Some Way." Title track's amazing. And like I said earlier, you guys are all, um, it looks like you're writing songs now as committee. Is that, uh, is that how it's done? You're all getting credit on the songs because everyone, everyone has input. Yeah. I always wonder how songwriting works anyway. Like you bring a song in, but like, did you bring in the drum part and the bass part and everything? You know what I mean? Don't, every, aren't every, those guys creating those sounds on the studio recordings? Yeah, every every song's different. Every situation's different. Mm-hmm. Every record's different. You know, back in the day, you know, we split the publishing, but then when Jack would come on with a song, he he'd have all the songwriters. Uh, you know, if uh, if I came, you know, we you know, it was different back in the day. What yeah. we're doing now, since we don't have this big success and we don't want to nitpick with the new guys in the band, right? Um, Every we split everything with everybody. Um, basically, what we usually do is we get Kelly, Jack, and me in a room, and we slam 
slam down our, our ideas and record our basic ideas. Then we bring, uh, you know, Eric Levy, our, our newest keyboard player, yes. and Kerry Kelly on guitar. Then we bring them then in kind of after the fact to interject their thoughts and ideas for the record. But then sometimes, you know, Kerry brings something in or Eric and we take their idea and work off of that. So uh, right now we just want what are the best songs for the record. Mm-hmm. Of course, we always wanted that, but what we're doing is we're, we're sharing with everybody and, uh, you know, making it, make it more palatable for everybody to, to, to consume. And will uh, will there be new Night Ranger? Will, will there be another album? Are you guys just going to keep making albums because you love it? Uh, yeah, yeah, we are. We're working on this the latest deal right now. I'm going to sign those the contract here real soon. And then everybody having their own home studios, we just pass the ideas around. Everybody's okay. Throws something in but i think we're going to start out maybe doing a zoom call with jack kelly and me with the instruments and just and, and talking about and throwing down some ideas and pass them around and i don't know i mean we haven't got that far yet sure um basically everybody needed this time off uh you know people were, were talking about saying you know when's the last time you guys had this much time off i know right i, I can't remember i i, I there, there, we never had that I, I always had something else going on or you know plus being shelters in place is a, a different story yeah you know, we're hoping that that uh, everything's going to, you know, come to an end here real soon and we get back and touring. But, you know, I mean, I, I'm staying I'm almost I'm pretty much done with my solo record. Great. And that that has our friend from Feeding Off the Mojo, Gary Moon, singing most of the record. Look at that. And absolutely amazing. I got him singing his butt off and I did produce everything here. Engineer, produced, mixed, mastered everything here at home. And I swear, man, Gary Moon is the best vocalist I've ever worked with. I mean, you know, I've, I, there's a lot of great vocalists that are out there, but, you know, his girth on, on the ballad stuff he sings and the way he, he, he you know, he's not one of those wah singers, you know, which uh, after a while, you know, I don't know, I don't yeah. want to burn on, on that kind of voice, but he just knows how to bring it in naturally and sound current. Um uh, whatever that may in this may be in this day and age of, 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 of rock and roll, but uh, I'm shopping this deal right now as we speak. Hopefully, going to get that out soon. Um, you kind of uh, you, you kind of tricked me then, Brad, because when I talked about feeding off the mojo, you're like, "What'd you think of it?" What if I would have said, "Oh, I, I hated it. I hated that singer, and I hated everything about it." And then you're just like, "Oh, well, he's on my next record." <laughs> Well, I still would have told you that because that's what I'm doing, Pat, and I gotta like let you know what I'm doing. But uh, no, I know, uh, and I appreciate it, and and thank thank God that I did because I would have been like, oh no, because I'm in, I I'm always honest. So, uh, but I did, but I did love his voice, and I did think it's a great record. So I interrupted you. Keep going. No, no, no. I'm I'm, I'm a talker. I, I I get me get me going on a subject, and I'll, and I'll talk your ear <laughs> off. But uh, uh, but everything's good right now. I got Night Ranger started new 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 record. Cool. Uh, we're starting to do shows again. Uh, we're doing, like I said, Sturgis coming up on the 10th of August. And we have a drive-in show on the 22nd of August in, in Pittsburgh. So we're doing that. And then, uh, you know, every gig after that is on a wait-and-see basis. Yeah. Uh, uh, to see if the promoters still want to do it or they're able to or to see what the, what the virus is doing in that city. But, you know, I, I'm keeping myself busy. Plus, I, I've written four music-related TV shows um, and, uh, basically I've been meeting with, uh, ABC and different production companies with these different ideas I have. And my new manager, lady, uh, Raquel Bruno with drive entertainment. Yes. Group. Thank you, Raquel, uh, for setting this up. 
Yeah, no, we, we got together a couple months ago and she's absolutely the most amazing person with so much energy and her, believe you, her and me get two of us together. <laughs> how many, ca- like ch- how many, like cappuc- how many cappuccinos between you two? We're like chatty Cathy's. Um, <laughs> well, I have my coffee in the morning, but I'm just up, man. I'm, I'm up all day. I, I did a nice little workout. I got my blood flowing and everything. I'm all good. I got I got two other Zoom calls today, too. So I, I'm on my game today. But, Alrighty. you know, I, I, I'm just I'm glad to be home working, Pat, and be able to stay busy. Uh, I've been playing a lot of guitar lately, getting my calluses up. I'm a big LinkedIn guy. I do a lot of great posts on LinkedIn. Check me out. If you, uh, I just posted a picture of me and my guitar is totally blackened out and sore from playing acoustic guitar for five hours this last weekend. But, you know, I'm trying to get my Instagram going up. I'm nowhere on Twitter, you know, on Facebook and stuff, uh, trying to get all that together. Because, you know, I kind of laid low on my social for a long time. Right. Just because I didn't want to deal with it, I dealt with people for so long, and and uh, then a couple of years, four or five years ago, someone said, "Man, go on LinkedIn, man. It's all professionals. You know, you can get in there and hook up with, with all these pros that do that are in your business. You know, so sure enough, I'm almost up to like thirty thousand followers on on LinkedIn, which is really a, a pretty amazing, and uh, I'm able to connect with all the. You know, it's so great to connect with like CEOs of companies and, and all these big time people and whatever they do and, and uh, at, at, that are big Night Ranger fans and you'd never know it. Even some of these record company people well, that I'm hitting up. And, they, grew, they grew up with it, Brad. We, uh, and, of course. And they've moved up to, you know, the, the vice presidents and presidents through these big companies and, and uh, they're big Night Ranger fans. And believe me, I parlay off those. Yeah, connections. That, that's a plus for you. They're going to want you to continue to succeed and they're going to want to be in business with you. So that's ex- excellent. Yes. Yeah. So everything's good. Pat. Well, Brad, thank you so much for giving me this time today. I really appreciate it. Uh, continued success with the solo album with Gary Moon. Do you got a title for that? A working title? No, but I tell you, we have this one song that's absolutely crazy fun. And the groove is infectious. It's called sex and the money. Basically Gary sings it with this beautiful crushing high-end ACDC type voice and then my uh, my girl my fiance Carmen comes in and says uh, let me tell you all about it honey I do it for the sex and the money and I go what Bam, on a gunk, gunk, gunk. you shot me down it's a great song so cool. I don't know I don't know if I'm going to call it sex and the money but uh, but that's you know, one of the good, that's one of the solid tracks that you can't wait for us to hear I already filmed a video on it, so that's uh, that's what it was. You, uh, it's you, definitely a contender. You might be working more uh, in lockdown than you than you ha- ever have been. It seems like yes. you have you have you are not just watch, sitting around uh, eating burritos and watching TV. You're you're doing stuff, and that's good. No, I don't. I don't do much TV at all. I, I, I watch the news. I get depressed, and I start recording some <laughs> sad ballad. No, uh, <laughs> no. I well, what's cool, Pat, is I'm into so many different projects now. You know, I'd go on the road with Night Ranger, and we do. You know, we're kind of like weekend warriors. We sometimes play Thursday, Friday, Saturday, home yeah. on Sunday, whatever it is. But you know, when I come home, I always need like a day just to recoup from being on the road those three or four days. Just kind of lay around, take a day off. But then, uh, then I get into the solo record. Now I'm home all the time. So I'm working on all these, you know, PowerPoint presentations for these music TV related shows that I'm doing and finishing mixing and mastering the, my solo record. Uh, you know, I got together my, uh, music placement site is called musicalmansion.com. 
every style imaginable I've done on there from from uh, you know from uh, hard rock stuff that you hear on ESPN and Fox Sports stuff like that to okay. fl- flamenco to pop ditties uh, pop ditties that would go on like a, a Target or Old Navy commercials so trying to work that aspect to uh, get more music out there but Excellent. believe me I, I I have a hard time sleeping at night because I wake up I think oh my god I got I got so much to do today, but believe me, that's not a, it's not a problem. I mean, I, I'm very fortunate and very, and thank my lucky stars to be able to do what I'm doing at this, uh, at 63 years old. <laughs> well, let me, uh, let me thank a couple more people again. Uh, Raquel Bruno of drive entertainment group. I want to also thank uh, Jeff Frank for connecting me with her. I want to thank Dave Festini and Joe Reynolds for helping me with some research and, before we go, I'm going to, I'm going to, when this airs to everyone, when the audio airs, Brad, I'll, I'm going to edit music in throughout. Anytime we talked about a song, boom, it'll be in there. So for a playout song, is there, is there a, a Night Ranger song or, or any song that you've played on that you, that you just get such a jolt from still after all this time you're on stage and that song's coming up and you're super excited to play that one. Cause I would like to, whatever you say, that's going to be the play out song. Uh, well, you know, my favorite song has always been, don't tell me you love me. You know, that's so all right. Uh, there are songs like, you know, touch of madness, you know, that I, I, I just love that song. It's just, you know, the whole chorus and everything and the double guitar harmonies in the middle and the crazy whammy bar at the end. And uh, let's do touch of know, madness. That'll be our play out song. There you go. Rumors in the air. That's another one. I mean, you know, there's a bunch of songs I like, but mainly, you know, the hits, you know, you know what to play. All right, cool. Well, thank you, Brad. Continue to stay safe, healthy, and well. Uh, everyone follow us at rock solid show on Twitter and go to RockSolidPodcast.com for all things about the show. Do you have a website currently, Brad? Oh yeah. You know, I got bradgillis.com. I got my Instagram, Brad Gillis official. There you go. Uh, you know, but mainly, you know, musicalmansion.com. You can do anybody that uh, wants to, you know, Oh, listen to what I could do, what I'm doing and all these different styles. That's kind of cool to check out. Of course, that's my placement site that I'm trying to get placement, all this stuff. But, all right. you know, um, you know, I just can't wait to release this solo record because it's been 20 years since I released the record. It's and, about time. And I've really focused a long, long time on, on, on songs and melodies and production uh, on this record. And it's great to do everything. I did everything in my house. Uh, you know, great. I got a great drum sound through my Ludwig Burst recording set. And, and of course, I got every guitar and amp to get different sounds. But it's just exciting to have new projects coming out. So we'll see what happens with everything uh, in the next few months. Excellent, Brad. Continued Thank success you. with everything. Uh, when you do play your next uh, L.A. show proper, I hope to say hello in person. So take care. I'll take care on that one. And, oh, oh, look at that. I'm going to hold you there to you it. Go. All right. There take you. care, Brad. Thank you so much. All right, Pat. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. Take care.